Hi, welcome to Forever Paranormal with Dr. Bill and Deb. The term paranormal refers to phenomena and experiences that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding and cannot be easily explained through traditional scientific principles. These phenomena often challenge conventional beliefs and are associated with the supernatural, metaphysical, or unexplained aspects of reality. As with any field of inquiry, it is essential to approach the paranormal with an open but critical mind, relying on empirical evidence and logical reasoning to draw conclusions. It's a topic that continues to intrigue and challenge both believers and skeptics alike, and if we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. You'll be surprised by what all can be connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Please just reach out. Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to Spooky Season. This week, we are going to take a bite into the subject of the Rougarou, which comes from the French word Loupgarou. We'll transform from what is also known as the Louisiana werewolf into the entire werewolf realm. Hi, Deb. Hi. How are you this week? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So, anything new going on in your life? Well, how are the crows going before we go into that? Well, the crows are doing okay. But I noticed yesterday that one of your majestic birds (laughs) was eating my crow feed, which was a turkey vulture, which is only supposed to eat fresh flesh. (laughs) What can I say? He's probably hungry. The poor fella's always alone. He's supposed to mate for life, but... But I always see him by himself. I feel bad for him. I know you think he's a <laughs> great bird. You know, I I, I don't get he's the attraction. He's unique. He's very oh, okay. unique. So he's unique? Yes. Okay, that'll work, I guess. Yeah. We'll accept that. Since you said, he, since you said he's so majestic, we'll yes, just with, with consider that unique. with the popping red head over the dark feathers. It's like a royal... Look. Yeah, you're my kind of girl. A vulture <laughs> is your bird. All right. My kind of girl. Okay, I'm weird. All right. So, on to weirder, which is you. Um, I have found three fun Halloween facts that I did not know, and I would like to see if you know them. You oh, ready? Oh, great. You didn't tell me there was a, a, a quiz today. Pop quiz. All right. Did you know... Jack-o'-lanterns used to be made from turnips. No, I had no idea. It is based upon an Irish or Scottish legend, I'm not sure which, um, where it's a legend of Stingy Jack who, long story short, makes a deal with the devil and continues to re-up his deal each year till eventually God doesn't want him when he dies and the devil is surprisingly true to his word and doesn't send him to hell so he's doomed to walk 
earth, I suppose, and they send him off into the forest with a burning lump of coal, so he sticks it in a carved-out turnip, and that is how jack o started. Yes. Good. I'm going to have you mm-hmm. repeat all that again when we do the Halloween special. That's awesome. How about number two? Candy corn was originally called chicken feed. Nope, didn't know that either. Apparently, the original makers of candy corn called it chicken feed with a colorful rooster on the box because corn is what they used to feed chickens back when this originated. Okay, cool. So, number three. Yeah, you got a third one there? I have a third one. Wow, okay. Final one. Michael Myers' mask actually was... An original William Shatner mask. Based on William Shatner's face. It wasn't his mask, was it? It was. Well, not his actual mask, but they had such a low budget for the film, they went out and bought a, a, I don't know if it was two, five dollar mask. Halloween costume mask to look like. Then they spray painted it and carved out the eyes and used that as Michael Myers' mask. Yeah, that I did know. Oh, darn Okay, it. all right. Okay, well, we're not talking about Crystal Lake during this episode, so we're going to have to transform to New Orleans. And even though New Orleans is known for its vampire tales, when there is a full moon high over the Louisiana swampland, when the stars begin to flicker in the murky water near the towering cypress trees, When the fog slowly creeps in with the nighttime chill, and then suddenly there's a howl in the near distance. It sounds like a wolf, and something's a little off, since there are no wolves in Louisiana. There, standing on two legs on top of a fallen, moss-covered tree, is a large, snarling beast. It throws its head back, letting out a blood-curdling howl, to the moon. But that's no werewolf, though. That's what they in Louisiana call the Rougarou. However, let's not confuse this with what is referred to as the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Nope. That's the Cajun version of the big guy himself, Bigfoot, Natinuk. Oh, boy. You really have to get that in every episode, don't you? I try. (laughs) Well, there are almost as many origins to this legend as there are ways to spell Rougarou. Since much of the ancestry of the area is French, it only makes sense that the earliest mention of the infamous Louisiana werewolf comes from medieval France. When knights, swords, and days of battle were still a thing to do, there were things much more feared than witches or even the plague. And that was the loop guru, which in French translates into werewolf. It seems that in the 16th century, just about everything and anything in France that went left of center would be blamed on the rougarou. People disappear, sheep or other livestock stolen, husbands ran off with young maidens, etc., etc. You get the idea. Well, the villagers would then capture people they believed to be a loop guru, and then hold a public trial. 
Usually, they'd find someone in the woods or someone in the village who was just kind of acting strange. Then the court would ask the public if they believed the accused to be a loop guru. And usually, the public agreed, probably from the fear that they'd be outed as a witch or loop guru themselves. These loop guru became a fear for many people in the country, leading to them earning their place in legends passed down to children. The French Catholics claimed that you would be turned into a loop guru if you did not follow the rules of Lent for seven consecutive years. Hmm. It appears that the legend of the loop guru migrated to the Cajun country with the French as they migrated to the Acadia region in what is now eastern Canada and Nova Scotia area. After the French and Indian War, British officers deported the Acadians to various American colonies. These Acadians were eventually invited by the Spanish to settle in what is now Louisiana. Since the migration, many of the legends began to change to match the times and the dialect. But since the Cajun dialect is a mix of French and English, and well known for changing words completely to roll off the tongue easier, the name of the beast changed from Luperu to Rougarou. In the Cajun legends, the creature is said to prowl the swamps around Arcadiana and greater New Orleans, along with the sugarcane fields and woodlands of the regions. The Rougarou most often is described as a creature with a human body and the head of a wolf or a dog, similar to the European werewolf legend. One version that has been told by elders was to persuade the Cajun children to behave. According to another variation, the wolf-like beast will hunt down and kill Catholics who do not follow the rules of Lent. (sighs) I don't understand that. Anyway, this coincides with the French Catholic loop guru stories in which the method for turning into a werewolf is to break Lent seven years in a row. That's very specific. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I'm not picking on any specific religious sect, but it seems, again, the Catholics are putting their fingers into everything. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're, they're gonna find a way to punish you. Okay? So I don't know about that. I don't know. A common legend about the blood-sucking part of it or the eating part of it says that the Rougarou is under a spell for 101 days. After that time, the curse is transferred from person to person when the Rougarou draws another human's blood. During that day, the creature returns to human form. Although acting sickly, the human refrains from telling others the situation for fear of being killed. Well, heck yeah, if you're out being a werewolf mass murderer, (laughs) who would you want to tell? If you're smart. You'd end up on the fire. I mean, come on. (laughs) And other stories range from the Rougarou as a rabbit to the Rougarou being derived from witchcraft. In this version, though, only a witch can make a Rougarou, either by turning into a wolf herself or by cursing others with lycanthropy. But never fear. There is a cure. Well, yeah, there is. I guess, actually... When I said never fear, there is a cure. Cure is actually the wrong word. There's actually a way you can protect yourself against a ruru. And that's by laying, I, I didn't make this up. That's by laying 13 small objects by your doors. Apparently, 
when a person changes into a Ruguru, they forget how to count past 12 <laughs> for whatever reason. Midnight maybe, uh, anyhow, I don't know. The Ruguru will see the 13 objects, try to count them, and will be unable to count them all. This will perplex it, and it will keep recounting until the sun comes up and it must flee as it returns to human form during the daylight hours. Another way to acquire protection is to visit a, put, a voodoo priest or priestess. I don't get the whole it can't count the 13 thing. Is that just one version? No, that's, there other... that, that's the Ruguru version. Um, I mean, that, that's the what I understand is the Ruguru version. Well, I guess it's, you know, subject to interpretation. Maybe through the years, somehow it grew to a specific number. Maybe. Like other legends. Yeah, maybe midnight, whatever. But uh, I, I just don't get that one. Okay. Uh, yeah. Moving on. Before we make the full transformation, get that transformed into werewolves, let's hear a few Ruguru encounters as told in the experiencer's words. This one comes from an anonymous Reddit user and is titled, My Encounter with a Ruguru, a.k.a. Louisiana Werewolf. And it goes, so this happened to me a few years ago. I was visiting a friend's house in the Houston River area. That section of the river is pretty swampy, so we were frog hunting at night. It was a full moon, so it made spotting the bullfrogs easier Super tasty, by the way, air quotes. Anyway, we're wandering down by the river bank when we heard sound. All went quiet. Not even the crickets chirped. We heard dozens of frogs dive into the water. We knew then that something was very wrong. Then came a distant growl, like something evil, from the other side of the river. We killed our Q-beams spotlight and watched in the direction of the sound. What I saw chilled me to the bone. It was like a massive wolf with a patchy black fur, yet no visible skin on its head, only a skull with empty eyes. It appeared to be locked onto other prey, so we shut our lights off and watched for a moment. Looking back, it was really stupid to not flee right then. It ran back into the woods and started running down the river. We decided to dip out and get as far away as possible. Hmm, well... Sounds like they were very lucky to not be noticed with those big Q-beam spotlights. They're pretty bright. And if they were, I bet you they would have become that creature's version of frog legs. Yeah. Tasty, mm. by the way, the creature would say. <laughs> this one comes from Lovely Cryptids, and it's called Dogman, Werewolf, Ruguru, an encounter from when I was younger, seen in Louisiana. When I was around seven to eight years old, I took dance classes that sometimes ran into early night. My parents had picked me up and we were going 60 to 70 miles per hour on the highway in my dad's truck. Not many cars were on the road. I was in the back seat, right side, watching the shadows from the streetlights. I was bored and counting how many street lamps there were based on their shadows since the lamps were on the left side. After one lamp, a shadow appeared of a dog-like creature on all fours. Like it had dog-like ears, but it almost looked like what a person would look like on all fours. I remember being scared as it looked quite large and I was worried because I didn't know how 
it was keeping up with us. I tried looking at it directly by looking through the back window, but the bed of the truck blocked everything. It must have been really close. I'm not sure why I didn't tell my parents. I think it was because I didn't want to take my eyes off it. Anyway, I could see its running shadow pass by every lamppost shadow until at one point it was like it ran behind a lamppost but just vanished. Hmm. Not sure what they saw, but it does sound pretty creepy. Yeah, it does. It does, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, but the title alone of this last experience makes me think about episode five that we did on the dog man. Mm-hmm. It reminds me that the dogman usually has the lower body and legs that resemble a dog, while the werewolf and the rougarou have the lower body of a man. Right. Yeah, so there is kind of a distinction between the two. And dogman is something we're going to look more into one day. There's all kinds of new dogman projects going on. So that's going to be something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. We know the legend of the rougarou began in 16th century France, but... The entire werewolf legend dates back to ancient Greece and Rome. The earliest surviving example of man-to-wolf transformation is found in the Epic of Gilgamesh from around 2100 BC. Then, in ancient Rome, the poet Virgil wrote the Eclogue 8 in 37 BC, where he related the story of Maurices, who could transform himself into a werewolf using herbs and poisons by calling ghosts from the grave. Then, werewolves made an early appearance in Greek mythology in Ovid's The Metamorphosis, where King Lycaon was the tyrant of Arcadia. One day, Zeus came to Lycaon's palace masquerading as an ordinary man. After Zeus revealed his true identity, the king clandestinely devised a plan to test whether he really was a god or not. King Lycaon killed one of his hostages named Epirus, boiled and roasted the victim's flesh, and served it to Zeus. Zeus did not eat it. He was completely arranged, and he set the king's palace on fire and killed his fifty sons with lightning bolts. He cursed the king and sent him into the wild where he transformed him into a howling wolf. Lycaon's name and the word lycanthropy both come from the same root, the Greek word lykos, meaning wolf. You know, here's a fun fact for you, Deb. The word lycanthropy originally referred to mental illness, a delusion of being a werewolf. But today, many people use lycanthropy to mean the ability to transform into a wolf, and lycanthrope to mean werewolf. Werewolves also emerged in early Nordic folklore with the saga of the Volsungs. They were a father and son who discovered wolf pelts that had the power to turn people into wolves for ten days. They went on this giant killing rampage through the forest. And you can pretty much find a werewolf lore anywhere you find wolves. If there's not a wolf, there's something else they transform into. But yeah, so we've got a lot of history so far. Of werewolves. Many so-called werewolves from centuries ago were in fact serial killers, and France had its fair share. In 1521, Frenchman Pierre Burgot and Michel Verdun allegedly swore allegiance to the devil and claimed to have an ointment that turned them into wolves. 
after confessing to brutally murdering several children, they were both burned to death at the stake. As a matter of fact, from the 16th century until the first quarter of the 17th century, the French killed more than 30,000 people for suspected werewolfism. Wow. And people talk about the witch trials. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. Okay. So we have some origins of the werewolf. And know that you can become one by being punished or by choice, depending on the different legends you hear. There are also good werewolves and bad werewolves, according to the tale that is being told. But most of what everyone believes today about werewolves comes from Hollywood, starting with the classic 1941 film, The Wolfman, with Lon Chaney and Bela Lugosi. This includes everything from the transformation to how to kill a werewolf. And, you know, that's a tradition in this household. We watch that film every Halloween. That, that's a given. According to the Wolfman, if a werewolf bites you, you have no choice but to become part human, part wolf type of creature and prey on human beings. The transformation was triggered by a full moon, a trait that many people associate with werewolves still today. The movie also made it clear that once you become a werewolf, the only cure is death. The transformation process in The Wolfman is convincing considering the film came out in 1941. First, hair starts to grow from Larry Talbot's skin, then his face, and eventually he becomes a creature that resembles a very hairy man with claws and fangs, but still wears a full button-up collared shirt. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But with today's special effects, bones forcibly elongate and change their shape, sometimes moving so drastically that they rupture a person's skin, or the person just peels their skin off as they're changing. Mm -hmm. From beginning to end, the transformation can take several minutes, and the end result is a creature that is part human and part wolf, and vary in proportions. Depending on the special effects available at the time of the films that you watch, and the techniques used to create them, these transformations can range from absurd to grotesque and really, truly convincing. So with Hollywood and movie genres aside, are there really such things as a Rougarou and werewolves in today's world, or are they just legends of old? Here are some facts for you to chew on. In the 1930s, researchers working in part of Africa, which is known as Ghana, reported a widespread belief that people could turn into hyenas. These shapeshifters were typically witches living in the grasslands. And as recently as the 1980s, an obscure practice in the Iberian Peninsula, which is the part of Europe that includes Spain and Portugal, claimed to prevent children from becoming werewolves. This practice involved older children acting as godparents for their younger siblings beginning with the seventh to ninth child. According to the folklore in this part of the world, werewolves recruit new members from excess children in the family. Children who are born with a call or part of their amniotic sac covering their face might be more susceptible to becoming werewolves, or conversely, they can become great healers. That's just part of the legend. What about you, Deb? Where do you stand on the Rougarou and werewolves? Well, 
Like any legend, I don't know what viable proof can be found um, that they actually exist. It's kind of like Bigfoot. Have they really been found? Um, Or is it a case of mistaking humans that have, I don't remember the condition, but they have excess hair all over their body and it makes them look like uh, a werewolf or a dog man? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't either, but I think that werewolves themselves are a great legend. And, mm-hmm. you know... It's a good tale. It is a tale, and in my opinion. Now, Bigfoot, that's a different subject. The Dogman, that's a different subject. But, you know, werewolves may be something similar in legend to skinwalkers. Something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Maybe. We don't really know. But what about you folks? Do you have a favorite werewolf movie or a tale you'd like to share? You can either email it to us at admin at foreverparanormal.com or post it to our website or Facebook page. And with that, thanks for listening. And until next time, when we discuss another tale yet to be told. Thank you for listening. And remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode, and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foreverparanormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode.